that right? Man, you're on. Uh, yeah. Hi, everybody. Hi. All right. Um, we'll dive right into stuff this morning. We have been talking about, for the past three weeks, God's love. Um, we started out three weeks ago, and Adam introduced us to the fact that not only do we need to know about God's love, but we need to feel, experience at an emotional heart level, God's love. And so we actually talked about that for two weeks because it is vital outside of the experience of God's love. Um, we even sang it this morning. Um, we're not living, you know, it's, that's where our being rest and that's where everything rests in experiencing the love of God. And so we talked about that for a couple weeks. Last week, we talked about um, actually kind of a how-to message, how to feel God's love. And it was really good, really practical. Um, He kind of drew, he's been drawing from 1 John 4 this whole time, and it's been a, a really good passage. I suggest that you all dive into it. Let's go ahead and put up 1 John 4. It's 8, if we have it. This is, well, that's a good one, too. (laughs) All right. So we've really been drawing from 1 John chapter 4 for the past three weeks. Uh, Whoever does not know or whoever does not love does not know God because God is love. And throughout the next several verses, um, it basically outlines how to experience the love of God. Um, by reflecting on the narrative of Jesus, by loving others and serving others. And so I I thought it was really good. I was able to reflect on that all week and really, um, God's been really near this week. Have any of you guys experienced that? I have just really felt like this whole week that if I would still myself for even a second, it was like he was right there. And I don't always feel like that, but there's these seasons and these times where I feel like if I'll just even for a second take a breath and click off Facebook, then um, <laughs> it's like he's right in my face. And that's what I felt like this, this week. I really feel like the Lord is, is um, really visiting us with a close, intimate presence lately. So we're going to keep talking about this week, that this week, but kind of from a different angle. What about those of us who've been sitting out here and, and we agree we need to feel the love of God? And we agree with all of the steps. We, yeah, yeah, well, let's reflect on God and we read and we take our time. But yet, there's like this block. Um, there's, we feel numb inside. We feel dead inside. You look around and you see everyone else getting touched and transformed and changed. And yet, whether in your whole person or just in part of it, you feel stuck. And you feel numb. And there's probably a lot of us. And if not all of us, at some point or another. Like, um, there might be that one area that you feel like God's love just can't penetrate. Or it might be your whole being that you feel like... I don't feel it. I know it. I don't feel it. So that's what we're going to talk about today. Okay. I'm not suggesting that this is an exhaustive list, but upon reflecting and praying this week, um, I really feel like the Lord showed me that there's three kind of, or he at least highlighted three blocks to feeling the presence 
and feeling the love of God in our lives. So we're going to go through those. And then I also feel like he gave me two really good, I hate even calling it solutions, but for lack of a better word, solutions or remedies that we're going to really look at. So number one, one of the reasons that we may not be able to pass from an intellectual understanding of God's love to an actual um, tangible feeling of God's love is that our view of God and our understanding of what he's like is off. And how many of you know that if you think of someone in a certain way, it doesn't matter if they're actually like that or not, that's how you're going to relate to them. Um, me and Justin were talking about this this morning, that we have a friend. <laughs> we have a friend, and everyone assumes that he's uptight. So when they get around him, they you know put their triple filter on and try to communicate with him in a, um, a really stifled manner. And the truth is, this guy isn't uptight at all. You know, he just is a normal guy. But because of, for whatever reason, people relate to him different because of what they think about him. And I want to suggest that that's one of the ways that um, sometimes we can be blocked in our relationship with the Lord is because we think he's one way. And so we relate to him thinking that he's one way when he's really something totally different. What I mean by that is, rather than, in 1 John, it says God is love. Rather than really embracing that God is love, sometimes we think that God's reaction is love. And if we see love as a reaction, then there has to be a catalyst. And we put ourselves in the role of catalyst. It means something that we do or don't do will cause the reaction of God's love. And it's like, then we start living, walking this tightrope life like, oh, I got to do that. I can't do that in order to try to earn and um, make yourself worthy of receiving a reaction receiving this love when the truth is love isn't a reaction it says in first john god is love it's who he is um which means that it really doesn't matter whether we i hate saying that because it's going to make it messy but it doesn't matter our actions don't affect the fact that he's love i guess that's an okay way to say it I mean, if someone is living in sin and making poor decisions every single day, that doesn't affect the fact that God is love. And if I'm trying really, really, really hard to be a good person and occasionally I screw up, it doesn't affect who God is. God is love. We're trying to work for this reaction when really we just need to um, let the revelation of the Lord penetrate our heart of who God is. I love when Adam talks about God as love. He says, for those of you who like to cook, um, if you use lemon zest at all, if you run a zester across a lemon or a lime, the essence that comes off, you don't use the whole lemon, just the essence. It's like if we ran a microplane across God, the essence is love. It's who he is. Everything else from God flows out of that. Okay. So love is not a reaction. And we are not the catalyst. God is love. Uh, And that kind of goes along with my next point, is that sometimes we start thinking that our sins 
and our behaviors can block his love. And that, oh, I'm doing these bad things, so he can't reach me. But in the scripture, it says that while we were still sinners, he died for us. He is fully aware of everything you've done, are currently doing, and none of that has kept him from sacrificing for you. (laughs) Somebody's very sad. (laughs) Oh, the mommy in me is going, oh, (laughs) now I'm all off track. (laughs) Oh, give it a hug. Okay. (laughs) All right. I better read some notes. Okay, so. (laughs) Jesus already died for our sins. I mean, do we think he needs to keep on dying like a bunch of times? I mean, he he already died. He's bridged that gap. And there may be things blocking, blocking it, but it's not that your sin keeps him from being able to reach you because he's already died for that. He's already overcome that. And so we'll, we'll talk, we'll dive into that even a little more. I just really want to stress that he can't keep from being love any more than we can keep from being human. It's who, it's who he is. It's not a personality trait. Some of us are shy. Some of us are outgoing, you know, tall, short, but we're human. And he can't keep from being love because he is love. Okay. And some of us see God as someone who is annoyed by us. <laughs> you know? It's like, oh, that pesky human. Um, but we really need to uh, really embrace the fact that God likes us. He likes people. He, he made people. He likes the earth. Um, we're, we're not an annoyance. We're not a craft project that he started. Now he's like, labor his way through it just because he started it. <laughs> you, know, you know that feeling? Like, I started it, now I've got to finish it. Uh. But that's not how he feels towards us. He genuinely likes us. And if you think that God doesn't like you, then how can you receive love from him? Um, have you ever been around someone that you are pretty sure doesn't like you? <laughs> You're pretty sure that you get on their nerves. <laughs> I I have a slight hyper streak, so I do feel sometimes that I do get on some nerves. And so <laughs> when you feel that, when you feel like, oh, I'm not sure if this person is liking me or not, um, it, it puts up this something. And for me, I feel like, oh, no, now I really have to win him over. And I, you know, <laughs> talk a whole lot more. <laughs> so, what's your favorite color? Mine, too. Um, <laughs> oh, my gosh, I really got to get this one. But <laughs> and so if you've got this view that, oh, I've got to win the Lord over, you know, I'm pretty sure he doesn't like humans, but I'm going to really show him that we're okay. You know, um, you're so busy trying to win them over that, that you can't even receive. You're like, come on, come on, like me. I'm okay. When really he already likes you. He loves you. He can't help it. (laughs) All right. So that was reason number one in my outline that if our view of what God is like 
is off, then um, that may be something that's that's blocking us. And maybe if you're out there, you're like, ooh, you know, that kind of feels like that might be going on in my heart. So keep that in mind. We'll get to that. Okay, number two. Another reason we may not be able to feel and experience and, and, and really hold the love of God is because we are unaware And this is kind of twofold. I'm going to go in two directions with this. Uh, Number one, we live in a society that is constantly trying to entertain us. Entertains us to the point that you feel numb, that you feel kind of like blank. Have you guys ever, I kind of do this, when Adam goes away, I feel like, ooh, it's my chance to watch all the girly shows that I want to watch. And so I'll stay up to like two in the morning watching like, all those wedding shows and <laughs> cooking shows and <laughs> all the girly things. And, and so I'll stay up till two in the morning and, and, and I'll be sitting on the couch. And by the end of the night, I just feel like a zombie, like not even cause I'm tired just cause I've had so much boom, 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 information and entertainment that I just feel like glazed. And we're like that a lot in life. Our world tries to entertain us. It tries to work us to death, steal every bit of our valuable time with meaningless stuff. Um, I have Fridays off, and I love my Fridays. And nothing makes me feel worse than when, oh, my gosh, it's time to pick up the kids, and I realize I've wasted that whole time with, like, stupid stuff. And so we have a tendency to, like, fill up all of our time with, like, meaningless garbage. And we keep our, our heads so full of information and, and stuff that there's really no room for awareness. We become numb. We lose touch with the presence of God. We feel dead inside. And all of this is like without going off and living in sin. I mean, it's just living life. You know, you don't have to have like a serious sin problem in order to lose touch with the presence of God. Sometimes it's just the fact that that we have not taken the initiative to quiet ourselves and become aware. Mm -hmm. And, And sometimes that can make us like beat ourselves up like, but I'm doing all the right stuff. I'm going to 14 Bible studies. I've got my kids in seven sports. I'm making gourmet meals every night. You know, we like start thinking of all the things we're doing. But yet we're, we're losing touch with the most important thing, which is the, the presence and the encounter with God. And another, the other direction I'm going to go with this unaware word is that a lot of times we compare ourselves with someone else. And you're like, what's that have to do with unaware? One moment, I'll tell you. Okay, so if you're so busy... Looking at the girl beside you who's in a puddle on the floor, getting touched by the Lord and thinking, why isn't that me? Then you are completely unaware of how the Lord is trying to connect with you. And we are okay with the fact that we're all different. How many people love like personality tests and the redemptive gift stuff and all of these, you know, like love languages and, you know, we love figuring out how we're different and how we can relate to one another. And we're okay with that in business and in marriage and relationship. But when it comes to God, we think, you know, there's a right way and a wrong way to feel the love of God. 
And the truth is that it's not true at all. Because if there's, you know, different love languages and ways you can um, communicate with your spouse or your best friend, why would the Lord have one way he communicates with all of us? We're all so different. There may be someone on your right, a puddle on the floor, someone on your left jumping up and down, the person in front of you, you know, taking notes furiously in their journal, and you're standing there in the middle of it going, hmm. But the truth, if we can keep ourselves from feeling like other communication, other ways that people experience the Lord are superior or better or more spiritual or holy than the way we experience the Lord, then it, then it opens up the door for us to be able to say, okay, Lord, what do you have for me? How do you, how do you want to speak to me? Yeah. And we've got one more. That was number two, unaware. And we've got one more reason I feel like sometimes we can be blocked to experiencing the love of God. Bitterness, unforgiveness, and anger are really, really loud. They're really loud. Have you ever had a really, really crappy day at work? Someone treated you wrong. Someone said something behind your back, got back to you. And then you come home, and when you walk in your door, it's like you brought that with you. And suddenly your kids are getting on your nerves and, you know, oh my gosh, that stool is still wobbly. Why is that not fixed? Little things start multiplying. It's like, (laughs) it's because anger and bitterness, they're loud. They scream. The Lord often speaks in a still small voice. And if we've got anger and bitterness and unforgiveness and rage screaming, we can't hear it. We all live in a sin-soaked, saturated planet with broken people. Awful things happen. Bad things happen to everybody. Nobody is excluded. Unjust things happen. People are treated unfairly. We're misunderstood. Um, Last week, Stephen Johnson came and talked at Life Launch, and he talked a lot about unforgiveness and He talked about expectations and disappointments. And whether they're realistic or unrealistic doesn't matter. It's the meaning and the weight that you give to them. And if you give in to bitterness, anger, unforgiveness, they become weeds in the garden of your heart and they'll choke out everything else that's good that's trying to grow there. How many of you know if if you have a garden at all? um, Herbs are basically weeds. Have you guys ever planted mint, like spearmint? It's like vicious. I love it, but it's like vicious. And so I have this little raised bed garden, and I put spearmint over here and, you know, several other little things. And within weeks, the spearmint is halfway over to the, uh, halfway through the bed. And everything else I planted is totally covered up because it grows real tall and it's lots of leaves and can't get the sun. And it's like, I worked so hard to plant all those little things, but spearmint just took over. And that's how all of these negative things, bitterness, unforgiveness, anger, rage, they just take over. They don't care that you've tried to cultivate love and forgiveness and patience. Um, They overgrow it so quickly. 
The good news is this sin-soaked planet full of broken people, Jesus lived here. It wasn't like it was just sort of bad when he lived here and now it's really bad. You know, like it's the same planet, y'all. It's the same thing. Um, it's the same devil. It's, it's all, it's not like he lived on this special planet in this bubble where he only felt a few little things. I mean, he experienced everything we experienced. Everything. Think about that for a minute. His friends talked bad about him. Um, he was treated unjustly, abused. He was murdered. None of us have been murdered. Um, it's a good thought. Come on. Come on. Let that one. None of us have been murdered. It's true. Yet. Yet. I went down the wrong way. Okay, yet he didn't have anger and bitterness in his heart. So he experienced everything we experienced and more than in a few areas. Um, Yet he did not have anger, bitterness in his heart. And what that tells me is, I mean, I've heard for years, Jesus is the model human. Model your life after Jesus. He went through it all without bitterness. I think. You know, that's the goal for us, too. (coughs) Sorry. And when Jesus said, love your enemies, he wasn't kidding. He wasn't joking. He wasn't trying to come out with a cool T-shirt design. I mean, he was being for real. And you start thinking about that, and that's intense. That is really intense. Okay. So those are all the things that I think at least the Lord has highlighted to me this morning that could be blocks. Our view of God, our general awareness, being in the now, and the state of our heart. You know, what are we growing in there? It's a Petri dish. (laughs) So, if you're feeling distance from God... And you feel like maybe, maybe one of these things is what's blocking you. There's good news because when we choose Jesus, when we identify ourselves as a son or daughter of, of, the, of God, um, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, they don't just give us their cell number. They come and live inside of us. And we live inside of, them, of God. And it's this profound mystery that says to me, you can't go f- very far away. You know, he's right there. If we're not feeling his love, it's not because he's not there. It's just because something is uh, blocking. And if he is love, then we know the block is not him. You know, he can't stop being what he is. So we know he hasn't stopped loving. So here's a couple of thoughts that that may help us overcome these blocks, these boundaries, these hurdles that we feel. All right, now we can pull up the Ephesians passage. Ephesians 5, 1 and 2. 
Follow God's example, therefore, as dearly children, uh, as dearly loved children, and walk in the way of love, just as Christ loved us and gave Himself up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. Follow God's example, and um, in the translation I was reading, it said, "Imitate God." We are to be imitators of God. When you imitate something, you become like it. I teach um, a little class called Sunbeams. They're so cute. Oh, my goodness. They're three and four. And I have eight of them. And I, I have them three days a week. And one of the things we have is center time. We have these centers. And the favorite center is housekeeping. Do you guys remember being little and being in school and having a housekeeping center? Do you um, or even if you had like a kitchen and a whole bunch of dress-ups at home. All my examples are really girly. Sorry, guys. Um, I don't know. Some boys like to cook and dress up. Oh, I didn't know boys like to dress up till I had a boy. And they, like, the moment they come home from school, when they were little, not now. Don't tell River I said the now. Um, but, like, when Seth would come home from school when he was, like, in kindergarten, it was like... He walked into the door and off came the clothes, ran upstairs and put on his Batman costume. And man, he was in, in character. <laughs> you know, I just had sisters, so I thought only girls like dressed up and all that stuff. But man, boys do it too. Josh's boys, they're never without a costume. <laughs> that has nothing to do with my point. Nothing. <laughs> okay. Um, <laughs> when... <laughs> Housekeeping center, that's where we were. Housekeeping center. The kids love housekeeping center. And I like to stand over in the corner and listen to them because they get into that center and immediately they start imitating their parents. (laughs) I've learned some awesome stuff this way. (laughs) Okay, so they start imitating their parents. And it's not like they just do a couple of different things, but everything about them is imitating their parents. They suddenly change their voice. They suddenly change what they like to do. Oh, I'm going to go mow the yard because it's my favorite thing to do. I actually heard that last week. You know, the kid doesn't like the yard, but he knows his dad does. So his likes are are being changed. His voice, um, even the way they walk. Like once they put on, because I have a sport coat in there and like a like a um, tie and have this little boy that he'll, you know, walk in there, they'll put on that coat. And then all of a sudden he walks with these big, heavy steps. (laughs) Like he's so much bigger. (laughs) And then (laughs) I have this girl (laughs) and she's precious. And when she is the mama, whoo, she is a mama. And she tells her kids, I'm not going to tell you again. And, you know, you could just see her mother saying it to her. So sometimes we don't think our kids are paying attention, but they are. Um, And their teachers know. And so, back to my point. Um, Kids are not adults. They see adults, they pick up on even the little subtleties, whether they know it or not. You start imitating an adult and you start doing, you know, things that they didn't even realize that they were doing. Somebody asked for a pair of reading glasses the other day because they wanted to read something and their dad wears reading glasses, you know? It's cute. 
(laughs) And every child has in them the potential to become an adult. So they're not an adult yet. They will be one day. But they have in them this potential to be an adult. No one can argue with that. And we are made in the image of God. God is love. We're made in the image of love. We have the potential. We have the capacity, the capability in us to love. And if we're feeling, and to feel love. And if we're feeling this, eh, one thing I suggest you start doing is imitate God. Just imitate him. You don't even have to, like, feel it right away, if that makes sense. These kids, you know, they're not actually feeling a desire to mow the yard when they say, I want to go mow the yard. Um, They're just imitating right now, but one day they'll need to go mow their yard. But, I mean, that metaphor has its limitations, but I hope you know what I'm getting at there. Um, That we need to start imitating God. How do we imitate God? Well, in John 3, I love that we're using all these, like, verses lately that are really well-known. Like, we've talked out of um, 1 John, the love, God is love, and and I'm going to talk about John 3, 16. He first loved us. If we're going to imitate God's love, we've got to love people first. Before they deserve it, even if they never deserve it, eek. How do we love people first? Well, we can forgive them before they even offer an apology. Forgive them before they even know they offended. Um, Serve someone who you really don't want to serve. Love the unlovely. All all those kind of things. Um, God loved first. That's one way we can imitate God is loving first. He gave his son... John 21, 15, Jesus tells his disciples. Yeah, let's read it. When they finished eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, he said, you know that I love you. And Jesus said, feed my lambs. And let's just stop there for a second. All right. So Jesus is asking, do you love me? Well, yeah. All right. Well, here's one way you can demonstrate that love. And imitate God's love. Feed my lambs. Is there anything more helpless than a lamb? I mean, lambs aren't known as being like the smartest animals. They're followers. You get what I'm saying? Like, he's not saying just love the people that are, that are easy to love. But take care of my lambs. And then he goes on. I think. Maybe not. He goes on and asks some more. (laughs) If you love me, feed my lambs. Take care of my sheep. Take care of my people. Love my people. I loved Adam's illustration last week when he talked about um, start loving other people so that you can feel God's love. Remember he said that if we don't feel anything, then it's kind of how things in the kingdom of God are upside down from things of the kingdom of earth, you know start loving someone and it makes room for God to express his love to you because if we're so busy serving ourselves, loving ourselves, thinking about ourselves, feeding our 
or bitterness, all that stuff, then there's no room for us to experience the love of God. But as we start to give, then we can receive. All right. Even, and when I say that we need to give, we don't just need to give where it's comfortable. One of our banners is radical generosity. Radical is extreme. Um, God gave his son. That's like pretty much as extreme as you can get. So we need to give extremely, radically, and and serve people. And that's one way that we're going to imitate God's love. Jesus experienced everything we experience and still loved. When he was dying, he expressed love and forgiveness. That means that even in the face of like someone treating you bad for real, you can still demonstrate love and forgiveness. That seems like really hard. If any of you have ever ever been in a situation where you know you're being misunderstood and you know that you're being treated unjustly, to still maintain a level of love and forgiveness towards that person. I mean, that seems impossible, but we are made in the image of God. We have the capacity. We really do. Mm-hmm. Last night, as I was getting ready to go to bed, I, um, I thought, oh, I just want to turn on the TV. And, and we just got Netflix, which I love. It's really fun. And so I don't know. I love documentaries. And I turned on this documentary. I mean, the documentary section I'm scrolling through And I had just finished working on this section of the message. And there's this documentary called The Power of Forgiveness. If you have Netflix, look it up. It's so good. It's really good. Okay. And it had Christians on there. It had an Episcopal priest and it had um, a reverend somebody. I knew the name, but I can't remember it now. Uh, It had a a pastor. (laughs) What was his name? You would know it if I said it. Watch the movie. Okay. But then it also had like like a Buddhist monk and scientist, like all these scientists. And they were talking about how powerful forgiveness is. And, and it, it highlighted a couple different areas, like um, over in Ireland, you know, the parts of Ireland that are like split Protestant Catholics and they're, they've feuded for years and all this stuff. They've talked about how forgiveness becomes a cultural thing that parents pass, I mean, that unforgiveness becomes a cultural reality that parents pass down to their kids. And, um, and to break the cycle that they have started writing this forgiveness curriculum, there's actually something called the International Forgiveness Institute. No joke. And they're not Christians is a thing. It's funny. Um, but (laughs) some things are just true. Um, so anyhow, they wrote this curriculum that they're, they're teaching in schools about forgiveness, and they're slowly seeing the atmosphere change in these communities. And there were several stories like that. They talked a lot about 9-11, which is, you know, that's heavy stuff. And there was this, this priest who is, this was a couple years ago, so I don't know if this actually came to be or not, but he really wanted to build a forgiveness garden. There on the site of the Twin Towers, a little garden where people could go and reflect and even begin to explore the possibility of forgiving. And then they went on to talk about these scientific studies 
there have been hundreds of them, like 900 and something since 2005, um, about forgiveness related to our health. And people who have a, have a tendency to forgive, a forgiving personality, their resting blood pressure was lower and like all these health things. And people who harbored unforgiveness and anger towards another person had a list of health concerns a mile long. Like just their resting blood pressure was, was higher. And they carried that around with them day after day. And so doctors were sending people to forgiveness therapy. I mean, this is, this is real deal. And so that's one way we can imitate God. Love each other, serve each other, forgive. Um, another thing is becoming aware. Okay, we talked about unawareness. Our unawareness is that numb feeling and also comparing ourselves to someone else and just not even feeling like God's speaking to us. And So here's a couple things we can do for that. Number one, take a breath. Take a minute, turn everything off, and just be. Don't talk to, don't even talk to God a whole bunch in your head. You know what I'm saying? Just take a minute, take a breath. I was watching this um, sermon online the other day, and this guy challenged his congregation. You may have read this, or yeah, you watched it, Andrea. Um, challenged his congregation to, throughout the whole length of the message, once every minute to reflect on and think about God, the Father, the love of the Father, God inside of us, we're in him, he's in us. You know, like reflect on God in that kind of way once a minute. And just creating this awareness, this atmosphere of in the now, aware, God is here, I'm with him, even though all this other stuff's going on around us. And so I would suggest just take a minute throughout your day, several times a day and just become aware. Okay. I'm sitting at my desk and God's inside. I'm driving down the road and God's with me. You know, just, just beginning to start really becoming aware that we're not praying to some far off thing that hopefully our prayers don't get lost in the atmosphere, but like he's with us. It's kind of a mind, I mean, we're body, soul, spirit, mind, you know, we're all messed up. So our mind plays a big role in how our emotions feel. And so if we set our mind to the fact that, that God is present, it will affect and allow and open up the doors for us to receive um, the awareness of his love in our heart. Now, note, note that when I talk about feeling love of God, God's love is always there. It's just us becoming aware. And I also want to say, um, <laughs> we laugh about this. If I was a counselor, I'd just go, just stop it. Just stop it. Just stop comparing yourself to others. Just stop it. Quit it. Um, we're all different. We are all different. God is communicating with you, but he communicates with everybody in a different way. It doesn't mean his love's different. His love is constant. His love is everlasting. His love never changes. But we are all different. We're humans, but we are different. I'm a dreamer. I dream like every single night. Lots of times those dreams are from the Lord. And I do think that's one of the ways that, that 
I communicate with the Lord and, you know, he'll give me dreams. And I mean, I'm a dreamer. That's just part of how he made me. Adam is not a dreamer. If he has a dream, it's like, hold on to your chairs and listen tight. Because, I mean, he never dreams. He's had a couple crazy dreams in his life and they've, they've been really amazing. But he's not a dreamer. Now, when he hops in the shower, it's like instant download. He's, he's taking a shower and he's like feeling the Lord and hearing the Lord and worshiping. And I'm in the bed like, shh, quit singing. You know, he's, the shower is like his sanctuary, you know. And um, I get in the shower and I've tried this. I'm like, all right, this shower, it must be like a holy shower. So I'm like, oh, Jesus, I love you. And then within two seconds, I'm like, shall I wear my hair curly or straight? I, oh, are those jeans clean? I don't know if those jeans are clean. You know, I'm like thinking about what I'm going to wear in my day. And that's okay. It's okay. I don't have to, you know communicate with the Lord in the shower the way Adam does. And he doesn't have to have dreams every night and wake up because I'll wake up in the morning and slap him. I'm like, Oh my gosh, listen to the stream. He's like, okay, great. Um, it's totally, it's okay. We are different during worship. I mean, there's one thing to be said about, we should all like come together and, and set our hearts. And, and, and I love how Adam talks about getting our whole, our mind, body, soul, spirit, everything involved. But we all worship different even. We pray different. Everyone communicates with the Lord different, and we need to know that that's okay. It really is okay. Quiet your heart. Reflect on God. Make yourself aware of his presence. And then don't try to copycat someone else's love language with the Lord. Just make yourself aware And just begin to show him how he communicates with you. And then just develop that. Dive into that. Don't be like, oh, I wonder if that's as important and special as this guy. You know? Um, I I used to do that. Because how many of you have friends who are intercessors? (laughs) Yeah? Man, those guys can pray. Those guys can pray for like hours. And after 15 minutes, I'm like, you know. And and. (laughs) I start thinking about stuff. And some of that is, you know, we need discipline ourselves to pray and all that. But some of us have a great, you know what I mean? You know what I mean? Some of us have a greater, like, I don't know. We communicate differently. Some people can just grind and barrel through and pray for hours and hours and hours. And um, some can't. And that's okay. (laughs) Um, But I'll tell you another, but I'll tell you what I like to do is take a little something, and I just meditated on it and chew on it all day. You know, I might, I can't sit and read like four chapters in the Bible at once. It goes in one ear and out the other. And, but I can read one line, and it can sustain me through the day, and I'll chew on it and reflect on it and scrub my floor, and new revelation will come. That's, that's how I study, and that's okay. Don't compare yourself. It's all right. And... um Along that comparing ourselves stuff, we need to understand how love and relationships work. Um, if you're married in here, you'll understand this next point a little bit, okay? And if you're not, you probably still will because it's, it's just a truth, okay? So, you meet someone and you fall in love. Think of that feeling. 
<laughs> it's a good feeling, you know? You meet someone, you fall in love, it's exciting, it's butterflies, it's anxiety, it's like emotional, it's, you know, all that stuff, and you've got to be together every second. You get married. You stay married for several years. And when I talk about marriage, I just talk about, like, healthy marriages, okay? So <laughs> don't insert any, like, non-healthy marriage things. Okay. Anyhow, um, so you're married for a long time, and your love grows. But in all reality, the expression looks different than it did when you were dating. And it's okay. Like... I love Adam at a way deeper level now than I did when we were dating. But he doesn't leave notes on my car every day like he used to. You know, he doesn't, we don't talk on the phone for hours and hours and hours. Because we live together, partly, but. (laughs) I'm saying. You know what I'm saying. Okay. It's it's different expressions. I see Adam in... um, that feeling when I first started dating Adam, when I saw him, it was like, <laughs> you know, and I'm still happy to see him, but I don't jump up and down now. <laughs> but that's not because I don't love him any less. It's just how love is. That's for real. Love grows. It, love is a fruit of the spirit, which means it grows. Does a plant look the same? When it first sprouts out of the ground as when it's been growing all season? No, it matures, it grows, it changes. And in our relationship now, I see different ways that he expresses his love towards me. Like when we were first dating, it was notes and little cards and, you know, little cutesy things and all this stuff. And now it's things like dishes, doing the dishes and putting the kids to bed for me without me asking. You know, things like that. And um, it's just because life has changed. Um, Our love has grown. We know each other more. He knows now what things really bless me and make me feel loved. Um, When we first started dating, you know, he would do things to try to bless me and make me feel loved. But, you know, they were kind of the things everybody does. Buy you flowers, which is good. I'm not knocking those things. I'm just saying, as you get to know a person more and more and more, your love gets more specific. And you know the specific ways to bless your mate. And you know the specific ways that you communicate. And you start having specific pet names. Do you guys ever... (laughs) You know, that specific little name, nickname that you call each other. Things like that, that show love and... (laughs) I had a funny one this morning and I know I can't remember it. If somebody in here calls their mate something really funny, and I can't remember it now. But anyhow, I was going to embarrass them. Um, (laughs) But it's things like that. It's like this specific relationship. And we need to look at our relationship with the Lord as a relationship. It's not a computer program. It's not a science project. Our relationship with God is an actual living, breathing relationship. Just like love grows and changes form and expression over years with each other it does with the lord too and that's good that's a good thing that's a good thing don't get all hung up on the fact that oh my gosh when i was a new christian you know i felt this burning uh, uh, and i just couldn't get enough and this and that now what it's okay let your relationship with the lord develop 
and let the Lord take you in the places that he wants to take you. And don't try to pigeonhole him into just that one little, little expression and experience. The Lord's so much bigger than we give him credit for most, most of the time, you know? All right. So, we all at one point or another experience these blocks. Some of us feel it really heavy right now that we're just, we feel like cut off or blocked or everyone else but me, you know, that kind of thing. And, and to the, for the large part, most of us feel it in some areas at some point. And so I really think that this is, this word from the Lord for today, it's really important that we can start imitating the Lord, imitating love, becoming aware, becoming aware of who we are, who God is, what we're actually like, what he's actually like, that we have a relationship, all that kind of stuff is really going to help us grow in this season. Because I don't know about you, but it is spring for sure. Like not just the season, but it is spring. Things are waking up. Things are changing. There's this anticipation in the air. I mean, more of that becoming aware stuff. Um, there's just an excitement in the air. Um, every, every time I come in the vineyard, I feel it. I know for sure. And even if I spend a moment with the Lord, I start feeling this anticipation and excitement. The Lord's doing some big stuff. Not just here, but through our whole community. I've talked to a lot of pastors this week and last week. And um, they're like, man, we don't know what's up. Church attendance is up. You know, things are happening. And I just really feel like the Lord is, is, is moving and doing some new things and it's spring. And it's a really great time for us to tap in and engage and connect and, and break off these boundaries and these barriers and, and really move into spring with the Lord. Mm-hmm. So, so that's what we're going to do today for a couple minutes. All right, let's have lab time. That was lecture. Now let's have some lab. All right, uh, let's all just take a minute. Go ahead and close your eyes. Because it's magical and only things happen when your eyes are closed. (laughs) Just kidding. It's just so you can focus. (laughs) Close your eyes. It's serious time. (laughs) No laughing. Just kidding. All right. Um... Let's just take a second. Don't even try to think about stuff. Let's just take a second and just acknowledge the fact that the Lord is here with us. Now, just take a second and think of the Lord inside of you and you inside of him. How close you are. If you've become aware of any blocks in your heart, in your mind this morning, just begin to hold those out before the Lord. You don't have to explain them or justify them. Just take them in your hand and hold them before the Lord. You don't even have to know why it's there.
Lord Jesus, I ask right now that you would just meet us where our hands are outstretched and where we're holding these things that are that we feel like are blocking our ability to receive your love. Lord, would you just take those from us right now? Lord, in those places where we've felt blocked in the past, Lord, I ask that you would just build a super highway. Lord, that you would just build a gateway where we can walk into your presence easily. An open door. Holy Spirit. Lord, would you just illuminate in our hearts the ways that you have placed in us to communicate with you. Make us aware of our spirit, that we have spirit on the inside that is perfectly designed to communicate with you. If we have any unforgiveness or bitterness in our hearts, right now, Lord, we just give that to you. It doesn't matter if we're right. It doesn't matter if we're justified. It doesn't matter if we've been done dirty. What matters is that our heart is the wellspring of life. And we don't want anything to taint the water. Because from a well becomes water that nourishes a community. Not just one person. It's not just about us. We've been placed in a community. And the water that comes from our heart, the well of our heart, reaches those around us. So, Lord, we don't want anything bitter in that water. Mm -hmm. Amen. All right. Ministry team, why don't you come on up here? If the Lord's still showing you stuff, you just sit where you are. It's fine.